her back. I think I remember what it was. It's the Annalise Mechanise Delatrice Cornell or something like that. <laughs> I was Where thinking about it while the intro was going on. I think that's what it was. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome back. Is this how you wanted to start the episode? No. Um, actually, we're going to start the episode by playing the Wordle for today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yay. So I, I follow this girl on uh, TikTok. Uh, who does the wordling like, every day and she has her like starter words are like cloud pinky and stare so we always pick which one we want to do first so what are you feeling today wordle wise hmm maybe cloud because it's so cloudy outside today it is snowing uh we got nothing we got nothing uh, nothing okay i'll do stare next we have an r and an e are they in the right spots or no, no. Didn't didn't the other wordle for yesterday start off the same? Is it just giving me the same wordle? What was the wordle for the other day? I don't remember. Wasn't it like I think it, it was, was like, like there or something? Oh yeah, so it's definitely not that. Okay, we're gonna do cloud then too. Oh wait, I thought we did cloud. Oh shit, we did. Oops. So pinky. Okay, well, we have two guesses left because I actually put in cloud twice. So you have I R and E, and none of them are in the right place. <laughs> If you're the reason why we lose. I'll just look up the answer. It's fine. Oh, don't cheat yet. Oh, goodness. We can get a hint. Okay, get a hint. It starts with a B. I don't know what this could be. I don't know. I Brine? You're going to cut out the silence, right? And make it sound like we got this in one go? Yeah, for sure. B? I don't know. <laughs> I'm looking it up. <laughs> we don't normally look it up. We normally get it. We're normally smarter than this. Oh, brief. It was brief. That's a stupid ass word. I agree. That's the worst wordle word so far. Okay. Wow. We did terrible. How are you today, Psychos? <laughs> I'm so tired. I it's snowing. I had a consultation for a therapy for a new therapist. So. A therapy. One singular therapy. A singular therapy, so... I have to drive to work today in, in this the snow. weather, and I'm fine driving in the snow, but other people who live in my area can't even drive when it's not snowing, so that's going to be fun for me. I don't have to work yet, which is nice, but I do like the snow, how it just seems to slow everything down. You're so poetic. I hate you. <laughs> it's almost like I want to be a writer or something. Almost. So, um, anyway, the past couple of days, Psychos and I have been binge watching uh, TV. So, I watched um, Follow the House of Usher. Before, like, we started episode one together, I think. And then after that, we kept going. Like, I kept going on my own because I literally, like, watched it at work. Um, yeah, and I was very rude of you because I thought we were watching that shit together. I'm sorry. Well, you look, okay. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but I had previously already seen um, Hill House and Bly Manor. So, and I love like anything from whoever the fuck this guy is. And Mike Flanagan. Thank you. So we watched Fall of House of Usher, or I did. And then we went back and finished Bly Manor together because we had gotten up to like episode two or so. we had gotten like a good bit of the way in and then stopped so we had to restart it yeah i think we got about halfway through and then we stopped for i don't remember why we stopped 
Um, but we had seen Hill House. No, we stopped because we hadn't. I hadn't seen Hill House yet, and you wanted me to see Hill House first. Which is weird because I watched Bly Manor first. I don't like. I like Bly Manor more than I like Hill House. I think Hill House is good, but I really do prefer uh, Bly Manor. I think. But anyway, which is funny because my favorite is Hill House so far because th- the way that Hill House sort of deals with the grief aspect because like each show i've noticed that he does while it does focus on like some kind of work or whatever it all it also focuses on some kind of theme the theme for um hill house was grief and that really helped me whenever i was going through a lot i enjoy the blind manor story that hurt because it could also be like looked at as an allegory for chronic illness and that was not a fun realization to come across Mm-hmm. And then um, we're working through Midnight Mass now, and that religious trauma slash guilt is kicking my ass as well. I'm not having a fun time going through these, but... Yeah, no, we, we're we not finished with Midnight Mass. I think we have, like, one, like, literally the last two episodes or last episode left. Um, But, yeah, I... Uh, oh, my God, it's getting worse. Sorry, we're slowly watching... This is the first day that it snowed where we live, and... We are just watching it go from like a little bit to like now it's like it's it's coming down pretty hard. Which is hilarious because snow had been going in and out of the forecast the entire past couple of weeks. And even today, I didn't even think it was going to snow today. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it was going to snow for like maybe 20 minutes and then nothing else for the rest of the week, but like, or the rest of the day, but like it's continuously coming down. Like it'll pause every now and then. Or lighten up. Welcome back, everyone, for part two. I gotta get my notes ready. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Of the Hinterkaifeck and Loki uh, episode. You're not going to hear my section until after Psychosis, but just a heads up. I don't have a shit ton of information, um, but a lot of it is talking points. I have a lot of opinions on stuff that I'm going to talk about, but I know that Psychos has a big chunk of uh, story to tell us today. So uh, grab a drink, grab some snacks. I'm about to grab a snack since I don't have to talk too much because Psychos is the one talking. So today I'm going to be focusing on the investigation and such through this case. It's just a quick reminder of where we left off. Um, last episode, I went through everything like i went through the family history and just to let everyone know you know we 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 don't know how many of you are just popping in for this episode or how many people have um listened since episode one but if you are just now listening to us on this episode this is a part two to the last part so if you didn't listen to that episode you're going to be pretty confused this episode because you're missing a lot of context for both of our stories. So if you haven't heard episode before this, episode six, episode six, episode six, if you haven't heard episode six, pause now, go back and listen to it and then come back and play from here so you don't get confused. So continue. So where we had left off was that um, Albert Hoffner and Lorenz Schlittenbauer had finally found the bodies of the Gruber family. So after the horrific discovery of April 4th, the police force actually did not show up to the family home until much later that night. Now, 
in this small town in the town of Kaifek, there the rumor mill has been like very efficient when it comes to certain shit. As it tends to be, I think. Yeah. But like the one in Kaifek, I feel like is like a special case and needs to be studied. But by that afternoon, every single resident of that town was aware of the fact that the entire Gruber family had been wiped out and in a truly horrific way. In fact, one member of the group started taking people through the house on tours. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. I knew you were going to sit here and be like, people were walking all over that crime scene. Yeah, no, one member of the group, and it's later to, like, it was later found out that that was Lorenz Schlittenbauer, one of the dudes who found the bodies and the possible father of um, Yosef. It was found that he was the one who was taking people through the house on tours. Do you remember that internet historian video, Man in a Hole, where they just had a friggin' festival going on? That's what this feels like. Yeah, no, for real. Like, and then some people were like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be bringing people in. Like, it's a crime scene. Like, even back in the 1920s, people were like, eh, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm assuming those people were not on the tours, correct? Yeah, they didn't go on the tours. Um, whenever, like, the tour guide was told, like, hey, you shouldn't be doing this, the dude literally said, shrugged and was like, people are already inside. In fact, some people were in this, like, kitchen making themselves food. Like, making themselves, like, sandwiches and snacks and shit. People walked into a house where someone was just murdered and said, oh, free food. Really? Yeah. The police actually wouldn't make it into the farm until 1.30 a.m., and then they had to leave and then come back at 5.30 a.m. Why? Why did they have to leave? Because their work hours were over? Uh, does this not know? But you understand my rage. I do. I feel it in my bones. That's ridiculous. So people, so they found out this family was murdered. And the town people, I just, I can't imagine like the audacity just be like, oh, I'm just going to walk into their house and like make food. Like, I forget how fucking stupid and like self-centered some people are and then you say shit like that i'm like jesus fucking christ oh yeah so now we're gonna get into like the actual like sort of investigation here despite their extreme injuries there were no signs of struggle leading to the conclusion that the grubers who were killed in the barn had been lured there one by one however later experiments conducted by the police showed that the screams from the barn could not be heard from the main house or any other building on the farm which makes determining how they were led there a bit more difficult because they don't know if they knew their killer and their killer was just like, hey, something's off in the barn, come see. Or if they were lured there by the screams, but again, screaming and yelling could not be heard from the barn, like in the main house or other buildings on the farm. Mm -hmm. And there's like no signs of like struggle. So like they weren't like dragged there kicking and screaming. Further investigation led the led to the discovery of the lack of blood splatter everywhere but the floor within the stables. The detective also took note of a pickaxe that appeared to be clean except for brown spots that seemed to be dried blood. Within the home, detectives found some blood stains in the hallway leading to the I'm sorry, back up. Did you say pickaxe? Like those pointy things that like like we are dwarves and we're digging like those things? Oh my god. Yeah, but that might not have been the murder weapon, and you'll see why in a sec. Okay. So, within the home, detectives found some bloodstains, like, in the hallway leading to the bedrooms of the home, but no other signs of blood were located. Victoria's room, the daughter, appeared to be ransacked, but no other room showed any signs of burglar... Burglary... Burglary... Burglary? That one. Or, like, anybody, like, going through them. But here's the really, really sad part. 
whenever they found Yosef's body, his body was concealed in one of his mother's skirts. The killer had purposely put one of his mother's skirts over the baby. Okay. Because the baby had been found in the maid's room. Okay. And it was generally assumed that this was not a normal occurrence. Like, the baby didn't take an article of the mother's clothing. So the killer had to have taken that skirt from Victoria's room and laid it over the baby after he killed him. Could it also have been that someone tried to hide the baby from the killer and the killer found him anyway? No, because the the skirt that was found in that room had never been worn or had like was clean. So it was taken specifically from Victoria's room. It was Victoria's skirt. And that was Victoria's kid. And that was Victoria's child. It was the one that could have been either Andreas's child or Lorenz's child. Hmm. Mm-hmm. When they searched the attic, um, they had found hay set at a, um, when, when detectives had like- The barn? Su- the hayloft in the barn? Jeez. No, the attic. In the, in house. the house. In the house. There was hay in the attic in the house? Yes. But they have a barn. Why wouldn't they just leave it in the barn? Let me finish. Sorry. When, when they searched the attic, the detectives had found that hay set up in a way to be like a bed for potentially- multiple people they also found food waste and actual human waste upstairs they also discovered there were certain someone shit in the attic someone was living in the attic my dude (laughs) someone shit in the attic can you imagine (laughs) i'm sorry this is really terrible but can you imagine (laughs) you're so done with me can you imagine though like someone shits in the the roof above your bed right and then you're just like man my room smells like shit I just like clean it. It's like, no, dude, it actually smells like my room smells like shit and no one can figure out why. And then your family gets murdered and then your friend's like, oh, that's why his room smelled like shit. That's a bad joke. But Patches, please, can you, your cat is such a fucking attention whore. You're just like your parent. Excuse the fuck out of you. Breathe into the microphone. Continue. Okay, so, Yeah. Anyway, you're already tired of me and we're not even 30 minutes in. I'm sorry I keep interrupting you. I love you. I'm not even done with the page. While they were also investigating the attic, they found ceiling tiles that were, they could be lifted to see into certain areas of the home. What? While they were investigating the attic, they found like ceiling tiles that whenever they were lifted, they could see into certain areas of the home. But they're in the attic. Mm Mm-hmm. So the ceiling tiles... Oh, you mean on the floor? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you meant the ceiling in the attic. I'm like, but they're on the top fucking level of the house. Okay, no, I understand now. So the floor panels in the attic could be lifted to see down into the upper floor of the house. Got you. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Wrong direction. Yeah, sorry. I didn't make that clear. Uh, My notes didn't make that clear to me either. But once it was realized that all the doors to the home were closed and locked from the inside, investigators realized they didn't know how the killer left the house. They didn't know if the killer had left the house at that point in time. So the investigators ended up searching the woods surrounding the farm and there was nothing to be found. There was no evidence there. They also noted a frustrating lack of clues from those who had discovered the bodies, though they believed robbery may have been a motive given that much of the family's alleged savings were not located. However, to counteract that robbery motive theory, a lot of the family's valuables had been ignored completely, many of which were worth a lot of money during that time. So, like, they, the savings were missing. 
but the jewel like the jewelry and everything else was still there. If anyone burglarized that house, it's the fucking tour groups that were going through. Let's be fucking real here. Yeah, no, I agree. Due to the delay of the arrival of the police, the crime scene was actually fully contaminated and forensic evidence was minimal. However, the police force was also not doing the most they could have done. No fingerprints were taken. Only like five pictures were taken. And the, and the autopsies were carried out on property. What? Like, so no fingerprints, which was something they could have done at that point in time. Fingerprint um, technology was still in its, not necessarily infancy, but it was still kind of not up to the standards that we have today, but it still could be done. Um, pick, but like only five pictures were taken of the entire crime scene. That spread across multiple buildings, mind you. But, like I said before, the autopsies were carried out on property instead of being taken to anywhere else. To you can't do a proper autopsy anywhere other than, like, a coroner's office. These autopsies were conducted on a makeshift table and in front of a crowd of people. Bro, what the fuck? No respect for the dead. Like, they really just said, ah, fuck it. We're just going to do it here for showmanship. Like, what's the point? No, it literally, this family's death and everything before it and after it became a spectacle to these people. And I despise it. We're going to go over the autopsy reports now. Should I stop eating? I would recommend it. Okay, I'll stop eating. So, the elder Cezalia, the grandmother, was 72 when she died. And she died from a combination of blunt force trauma to the head, which was seven blows causing her skull to split open and strangulation. Victoria, the daughter, who was 35, was found with star-shaped wounds to her head with her skull, with her skull smashed, and she was also strangled. She had the most injuries of anybody in her family. The grandmother had seven blows to the head in a star-shaped pattern? No. Let me, let me re, re, start over. Sorry, start over. I got a text from work. Sorry, start over. Cezalia, the grandmother, who was 72 when she died, died from a combination of blunt force trauma to the head, seven blows, as well as being strangled. So there was strangulation and blunt force trauma. So did he try to strangle her and then it didn't work and then he beat the shit out of her? I said he. I'm assuming it's a he. Nobody knows. This is unsolved. This is unsolved. Sorry, I'm not mad at you. Victoria, the daughter, was 35 when she died, and she was found with star-shaped wounds to her head with her skull smashed as well as also being strangled. The star-shaped wounds are a bit confusing. They weren't beat in a star pattern. Whatever was used to beat them had something that made left like a star imprint. What? No, I understood what you said. I'm not processing it. So whatever she was beaten to death with left star-shaped imprints. I can't picture an item that would have a star-shaped imprint on the on the side of it because when you beat someone usually you hit them and it's the side of it, right? So I can't I can't think of anything that would leave a star-shaped imprint on the side of it. I don't know why my brain's going to a fucking like a blow poke. I'm going back to that the staircase murder. You know what I mean? We'll get to it later. She also had the most injuries out of everybody in her family. Andreas, the grandfather, was 63 when he died. The right side of the grandfather's face, Andreas, was smashed in so severely, the cheekbones actually like, stuck out from the side of his cheeks. Like, stuck out through his skin. Told you you shouldn't be eating. Yeah, that's... 
So someone really hated these people. Like, they were aggressive about it and really hated the daughter, right? Damn. A star-shaped pattern is weird. But it doesn't sound like they were all killed with the same item then because she's the only one with the star-shaped pattern unless he just rotated whatever he was killing them with. Maybe it was a candlestick holder. Let me finish. I'm not done yet. Sorry. Yosef, the grandson... The baby. The baby was two years old when oh he died. Oh, my God. He was found with his face smashed in, seemingly from a single blow. Dude! What? Oh, my God. I mean, I, I guess because baby skulls are still kind of soft, but you got to be really... I mean, I guess it's better that way because he just... It kind of, like, it wasn't like a... Like a... Like, you know, like the first one didn't work. It's not mercy. It's a slaughter, but. Oh, that poor baby. Yeah. Do they. Wait, isn't that the one that had the skirt on it? Is it possible that the killer put the skirt over the baby before he killed it to, like, hide the baby's face? No. Well, I guess Blood's it would. better wasn't consistent. Well, how the fuck would they know, given the shit job or fucking that they did on the... Whatever. Okay, so let's run with your theory. Put a sheet over your face. Mm-hmm. Somebody puts a sheet over your face and then they beat you. It would stick. It would go into your oh, face. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, okay. Okay, we're done. We're done. That's it. We're done. Keep going. Um, Maria, the maid, who had literally just started working for the family earlier that day was 44 years old and she was found with blows to her head with a sharp object like a hoe or a pickaxe okay finally cesalia or zeely the granddaughter aged seven died from severe head wounds that resulted in near decapitation but she didn't die right away oh <gasps> you're fucking kidding me she survived for hours after the deaths of the family and the stress and the trauma actually caused her to rip her own hair out of her head. Um, she would eventually... Wait, how did she survive near decapitation? Human body's a really fucking weird place. Yeah, no shit. She would eventually succumb to her injuries. Her body was found with her mother and her grandparents. Zeely's death, in my opinion, was the worst, but the killer couldn't have planned for her surviving that long. But Victoria's death was the harshest. Mm-hmm. Whoever did this specifically hated Victoria with a passion. And her injuries reflected that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go over the potential timeline that the police have put out. It can't be confirmed because, again, there's no evidence to support anything at this point. But between the hours of 8 and 11 p.m. on March 31st, the murders took place, starting with Victoria and Cecilia as they were still fully dressed. Andreas was next as he was still getting ready for bed. Um, Zeely was the final member of the family to be lured out to the barn and murdered. So all of them were in the barn except for the baby? The baby and the maid. Baby and the maid. Right, 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 right. The attacker then entered the family home, attacking... Maria from behind before killing Yosef. The family's food reserves were running a lot lower than what they had been prior to the murders, and with reports that the cattle were quiet throughout the whole weekend, 
The police believed that the killer had remained on the property for a number of days, living off the Gruber family supplies and taking care of the livestock. Weird, but okay. Yeah, so after the autopsies and potential timeline was put together, the investigators actually sent the heads of the Gruber family to the University of Munich's pathology... Let me... Pathology. Pathology, thank you. Um, Institute for further investigation while the rest of the bodies remained at the farm. I'm sorry. Were the heads attached beforehand? Yep. So they removed the heads and said, here you go. Why? (laughs) What's the logic? Investigation. During the movement of the bodies in and out of the barn, a member of the team sent to investigate noticed that a rope was hanging down from the loft of the barn that most certainly had not been there before. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. Oh my god. So, rope there. Not there before. They noticed handprints in the dust and... um, If these guys just go, "Mm, not my job and walk away, I'm gonna kill someone. They noticed the handprints in the dust and the rope was given to the police dogs to track the scent, but the scent was lost after that. They, the dogs just lost the scent. Yeah, because it's 20 feet up in the fucking hayloft, you assholes. Alexa, play Hayloft by Mother Mother. No. You're right. Play Hayloft 2 by Mother Mother. Shut up. <laughs> the funerals for the family were held on Saturday, um, April 8th. So, mo- sans heads. So... The, ba- the bodies are being laid to rest, but the heads are not. Okay, so funerals are supposed to be held on the 8th. However, due to a rumor, 3,000 mourners flooded this town a day early, expecting the funeral. <laughs> Sorry. So 3,000 people flooded into the small town, expecting the funeral to be on Friday, not Saturday. Um, and when that didn't happen, they all tried to go to the crime scene, but the police force had finally decided that it needed to be sectioned off so they don't get to go on this, like, fun, gruesome haunted house tour. Good. So during the funeral, um, Father Michael Haas spoke candidly, claiming that God viewed murder as a terrible abomination and only a man with no spark of faith in his heart could commit such a terrible act, end quote. Instead of burying the maid, Maria Baumgartner where her family wanted her to be buried. She was actually buried with the Gruber family. Her body was actually flanking the ki- like the children's with the other adults. That's fucked up. Yeah. So, after the funerals, paranoia has entered the chat. Um, paranoia within the community began to spike. It cuz no new information was coming in or being released by police like even with the promise of a reward being offered nothing was going on um more and more people within the community reported neighbors friends strangers families to anyone because they're all so paranoid because the police haven't done anything the police tried to investigate each person as they were reported, but with the mass hysteria now plaguing the town, the police instead advised people to be more vigilant at night, search their properties thoroughly, and avoid storing valuables and cash within the homes. A few people actually took it like a step further and got like guard dogs. Because there's just like this like mass hysteria going on. At least the dogs were getting adopted. Yeah. As news spread like wildfire, many people came forward with their own theories. 
Many people believe that due to the fact that Victoria sustained the worst injuries, that she was the sole intended target, perhaps dun, 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 being killed by like a scorned lover. Others believe the murders occurred due to the nature of Andrea's and Victoria's um, relationship, thinking that the murders were intended to wipe out like a sinful family, even though it is fully not Victoria's fault at all. And they're doing this healthy dose of victim blaming. I love when Christians victim blame. It's such a typical thing for them that it doesn't even surprise me anymore. I hate it. Um, in late February of twenty twenty of nineteen twenty three, I almost said twenty twenty. A hundred years later. Jeez. In late February of nineteen twenty three, the property was demolished after the victim's families commissioned a painter to create a piece that depicted the house prior to the demolition. So. They um, commissioned this painter to, like, paint this house as it was. And then they completely tore it down. Because they wanted to, like, have the memory of the house as it was. But they couldn't, like, stand to leave it up. Mm-hmm. Just because of everything that was happening there. It's also smart to do a painting instead of a, a picture. Because then you can add in whatever you want to change that. So I like that. While dismantling the house, the workers actually noticed several loose floorboards floorboards in the attic when these were pried up they discovered a small bed of hay along with a bloodstained mattock which is like a hand tool made for like clearing shrubbery this was completely covered in the dried blood of the gruber family it was also determined to belong to andreas gruber as there was a screw placed in the handle to repair it however this was also determined to be the murder weapon because the screw matched the star-shaped injuries that was left on Victoria's body in particular. Things that really pissed me off about this case. How the fuck did they figure out that the ceiling tiles could be moved, but the floorboards of the attic weren't checked? Wait, wait. Okay, now you're confusing me. The ceiling tiles of the attic lead to the roof. The floor tiles of the attic lead to the up of the downstairs. So how many levels are in this house? Is it a one-story house? It's... I think there's like a basement, there's a uh, main floor, and there's the attic, I think. Okay, so the the mattock was found in the space between the ceiling of the main floor and the attic. But there were also tiles that were found in the f- attic that were the ceiling tiles of the first floor. So some tiles went directly into the floor, or directly in the ceiling of the, the floor below. But other tiles didn't, is what you're telling me. Which means there's a very high likelihood that they lifted up like two tiles and was like, oh, that's interesting. And then didn't lift up the rest of them, is what you're telling me. Or a police officer saw it and said, not my problem, and then put it back down. Yeah, so there's that. There's a little, there's that. They also, while they were doing this nice thorough search of the place, since they didn't do it right the first time, they also found a penknife close to where the bodies had been found in the barn. But because the police have claimed and continue to claim throughout all of this that they did a thorough job from the moment they arrived after the initial discovery of the bodies, they claimed the killer must have returned to the scene of the crime to hide the wedding, to hide the weddings, hide the weapons after the investigation had died down, which could have happened. Wouldn't that also mean that their barricade didn't fucking work? And they should have been supervising. They should have been surveilling the house and didn't. So it's their fault. Their um, logic is that 
it happened after everything came down. Like, after the hype of the case died down, after the police left the house, they think that's when the killer returned to dispose of the weapons. Because the investigation had already been completed, so there's no way, there's no real reason for the police to come back. The family, like, the remaining family is planning on demolishing the place anyway. This would be a great time to get rid of evidence. Stuff like that. Unfortunately, though, no fingerprints had been recovered from either the knife or the mattock. After this discovery, the police kind of began looking at more of like a political angle to the murders. Because during this time in Bavaria, it was pretty tense socially and politically. Since this area was known for like the paramilitary organizations and extremist groups, a running theory formed that Andreas Gruber was a member of one of these and had either one stolen money or two betrayed the group in some way, leading to his death and the death of his family. Because this is right around the time that Germany is going through it, because they've been handed the short end of the stick with World War One, and this is kind of paving the way for Hitler and the rise of the Nazis. Which leads us to our very first suspect, a man named Adolf Gump. Gump was 33 years old and a former soldier at this time. He was um, he served in World War I, and after that, he joined one of the many paramilitary groups popping up in and around Bavaria after Germany's lost. Mm-hmm. In 1921, Gump participated in a massacre in which nine farmers were brutally murdered. He was also, like, really proud of that for, like, whatever reason. So he had, like, he had the history for it. Rumors flew around that he and Victoria were in a relationship, but those rumors were never fully substantiated. It was just kind of like, oh, I heard so-and-so fucking so-and-so. It wasn't, like... So just the generic rumor mill going yeah, on. Yeah, it wasn't, like, solid. He As couldn't, it tends to be. Yeah, he couldn't be found for whatever reason. Three weeks after the bodies were discovered, though... Because he was in the fucking attic. Three weeks after the bodies were discovered, though, the police force received a tip. This tip pointed the finger at Victoria's husband, who had been killed in action during the First World War. Apparently, Carl Gabriel's body had never been returned to his wife or his own family, so rumors began to circulate that he, like so many others during the war, faked his death to get out to like get out of serving so he could live out the rest of his life somewhere else instead of dying in this war that was going to end very badly granted at this time he had allegedly been dead for like eight years and had yet to contact his wife or his kid as the rumors like kept going they claimed that gabriel had learned of the relationship between victoria and andreas and returned to hinterkaifeck for revenge after speaking to the officers who served with Gabriel and confirming that Carl Gabriel was indeed dead and buried in a cemetery in Paris, suspicion then fell on his family, alleging either financial gain or revenge for their son's unhappy marriage. These ultimately didn't have anything to back them up. Several locals also pointed their fingers at a pair of brothers named Carl and Anton Bikila. I don't know if that's the right way to say that, but it's B-I-K-I-L-A. Bikila. The Bikila brothers were well known in the community for being thieves and had often worked at Hinterkaifeck during like the harvests to help out the family. One witness claimed that Carl had mentioned the idea of robbing Hinterkaifeck, while another had noticed that the brothers were spending a great deal of money despite not being employed at the time, like around the time of the family's death. Like they started spending money that 
they just shouldn't have. The Gruber's former maid claimed that the brothers knew the layout of the farm very well, and Anton was actually extremely friendly with the dog. She also claimed that Anton commented that the family needed to be killed at some point. She informed the family of this threat, and they kind of dismissed it. Um, this was another reason why she quit, because she didn't want to be a victim of whatever the brothers were planning. So she quit for a multitude of reasons. I mean, that makes sense, honestly. Yeah. I would, too. Yeah. So Carl was arrested and taken in for questioning, but it was let go after the... Because they discovered that the brothers were, like, 51 kilometers away from the farm at the time. Like, they were... There was no way they could have gotten to there and back. Before someone noticed, yeah. Yeah. However, on August 2nd, the mother of another set of brothers, Carl and Andreas Shreya... Carl and Andreas seems to be a very popular name now, not nowadays, but like in in this time. She confessed to a neighbor that her sons were responsible for the crime. Their brothers were arrested, and at the hearing the next month, they were both released due to a lack of evidence. Another suspect was a former soldier who had escaped from a mental hospital, like a mental health hospital, the year before, and he was believed to have broken into properties around Hunter Kaifek, but there was no evidence linking him to the murders, and he wasn't able to be located either. So we just got a whole lot of nothing, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Finally, we also have Lorenz Schlittenbauer, who was also a suspect at this time, as he was the neighbor who discovered the bodies. He lived in the area his entire- Wasn't he also the guy that did the tours? Mm-hmm. He had lived in the area his entire life and had served on the local council and had acted as a spokesperson for the community at the time. Two weeks after his wife passed away in 1918, Lawrence started a romantic relationship with Victoria, who was 13 years younger than him. In late 1918, he asked Andreas for permission to marry Victoria on the grounds that Andreas stop the incestuous relationship with Victoria. Andreas then responded to this request by reportedly saying, quote, we will have to see. Oh, fuck off. That was disgusting. When Victoria saw Lorenz again after this, she told him that she was pregnant and that he was the father. He refused to accept the child as his own, believing the child was actually Andreas's. Three days after baby Yosef was born, Lorenz reported both Andreas and Victoria to the police for the relationship, and Andreas was once again arrested. So it wasn't, to me, out of any... There was no good intention there. Yeah. I there are very few good people in this story. I feel like if anyone probably did it it was him. Just cuz it makes sense like it, she got the worst of the beating. I don't know why he would take it on her but like because think about the time frame we're in when abuse happens especially this level of abuse that's been going on for so long. It's automatically assumed that it's not the father's fault. It's an incestuous relationship. Like, all the sources claim it as a relationship. They're not pinning it down as what it actually was. A daughter getting raped for years and years with no sign of relief. And any time somebody would come along to try to not necessarily stop it, but, like, put a reprieve on it, her father would just get ten times worse. So it's not time and place. Victoria begged Lorenz to withdraw the claim, stating that she would pay back any child support that he would pay if he claimed to be the father. He did so, more often than not, 
claiming that it had he had been forced to take responsibility for a child that wasn't even his and he was responsible for starting some of these rumors in their in their town mm-hmm. when he had discovered the bodies witnesses described him as being cold and calm and he was the one who allowed the tours of the home before the police could get there yeah i just think he did it it just makes the most sense to me everyone else feels like there's not a lot of connection there but i he makes sense to me especially because i feel like if he was taking groups through the house he was probably trying to maybe spread not dna but hope that like people would fuck with it enough that you know they wouldn't be able to pin it on him the police actually noted that he was very quick to kind of put himself in the middle of the investigation like offering explanations for like everything they could have yeah found. he's 100 percent guilty yeah so albert hoffner the other person who discovered the bodies claimed to have seen lorenz with the key to the house one that lorenz claimed that he had found in the door already he even started calling lorenz the hinterkaifeck murderer a move that got him sued for defamation go fuck off Lorenz then published a letter in the local newspaper stating that he would go after anyone who spread those rumors with a lawsuit. Wow, that sounds really familiar for some reason. Yeah, I wonder why. Weird. Hmm. (laughs) 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 Anyway, four years after the murders, the Schlittenbauer home caught fire. The local people helped to extinguish the flames, but the damage was rough and many of Lorenz's documents were lost including the ones that were related to Yosef, the baby. In 1931, criminal inspector Martin Reed Meyer stepped up and reopened the case, bringing Lorenz in to be questioned again. Lorenz would continue to profess his innocence and that suspicious behavior that he exhibited on that day was due to the fact that he was trying to be, quote-unquote, helpful. Um, However, by the mid to late 30s, the investigation into the murders had to stop due to the outbreak of World War II. As the war went on, Munich was bombed repeatedly, destroying much of the evidence, including important documents, and the heads of the victims actually went missing during this time. So there's your explanation as to how they lost the goddamn heads. They just got lost in the war, I guess. That's That's fucking ridiculous. I mean, I guess it's not their fault, but still, you know. Like, it's not their fault that that building got bombed, but it is kind of their fault for not taking care of, like, the fucking evidence. I don't know. Yeah. Six years after the war ended, a series of articles in a Bavarian newspaper renewed interest in the Hinterkaifeck case. Due to these articles, numerous prisoners of war claimed that they had come into contact with a Russian Russian soldier who spoke Bavarian that took responsibility for the murders. Um, of course, this restarted the rumors that Carl Gabriel was alive and killed his wife and her family, but those were quickly disproven when the stri- when the soldiers edited their edited their statements, which kind of led to like a question of credibility like you're all saying that this is some dude who spoke bavarian and like it's leading to this long thing but then you go back and retract it so it's like how are you can we trust you yeah it's like what what, like honestly what's the truth yeah in may 1952 adolf gump was reinvestigated when his sister shared a deathbed confession with a priest gump died Back in 1951, and his confession had also implicated his brother Anton. Anton was then arrested, and two weeks after the arrest, the Gump brothers were rolled out. Mm-hmm. So, in 1955, the Hinter case was shelved, going cold completely. Over the years, the case completely fascinated the German population, leading to a number of theories, books, and documentaries. Um, over a hundred years later, documentaries. Documentaries. 
documentaries, <laughs> documentaries, same difference, leave me alone. Documentaries? Hush. <laughs> same word, pronounced different ways. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, over 100 years later, the case still haunts, like, the German population of this town. And it's actually used really often in, like, police and detective training. And almost everybody agrees on who they believe did it. But no real suspect has been named out of respect for the families because whoever it may have been is long dead mm-hmm. and it's not something that these people want to bring up for the families again yeah that makes sense there was a shrine built at the grave of the family and it was inscribed with the psalm quote god remembers those who suffer he does not forget their cry and he punishes those who wronged them end quote and that is my case. Full disclosure, though, I fully think Lorenz did it. Just straight out of the yeah, gate. Yeah, no, we agree on that. He fucking did it. He had the most, he had the means. He it makes the, the most sense, given everything. Yeah. yeah. But because of bad police work, it just didn't work out. It didn't yeah. happen. Unfortunately. It's heartbreaking because throughout the case, from the beginning to the end, from where you know the Gruber family history, you know that bullshit, all the way up to the end, they it it's hard. And I will it never... It is. It really is. I don't think I will ever understand it. Probably not, unfortunately. But, I mean, I don't really know what to say. It's... It, it, it feels like... At every single step in this story, long before I think anyone was even considering killing someone, it feels like people were constantly let down and not taken seriously. And then to go from that to suddenly this outpouring of gawking and theories and the shrine it's it's very i don't know it feels very fake you know what i mean yeah i agree i this case makes me angry it makes me upset and it to me demonstrates how how the phrase once a victim always a victim kind of comes into being Mm -hmm. because you have this woman victoria who was victimized by her father from the get-go and it never ever stopped she didn't get a moment of relief from some of the hardest things that i think people can deal with in the world as a singular person and to go from that to how she died it really is just a like you wonder if she ever found good moments in her life amongst all of the bad ones that maybe made her life a little bit worth it. But unfortunately, we only know her tragedies. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah. She probably was more than a tragedy. I'm sure she did. Like, I'm sure she loved her kids. and I'm sure she found so much joy there. I'm sure there was so much that... I'm sure there's so much that we just don't know because it was never recorded. And But seeing somebody who could have potentially gotten her out of that situation. And this is me assuming that Lauren, no, fully stating that I believe like that Schlittenbauer did it. And you see this person who is supposed to 
be your savior. You fall in love with this dude. You have a relationship with him. He's even gone and asked your father to marry you as long as your father stops. The relationship, whatever it is, has to stop. And I think regardless of what Andreas should have said, Victoria was in her 30s at the time, late 20s, early 30s. Whenever this marriage proposal was given, she was an adult. Mm-hmm. So I understand the asking for permission, but like at that point in time, you didn't really need permission. She was more than an adult. She's more than capable of making that decision for herself. It really was just an abuse situation where she couldn't do anything in her life without her abuser approving it. And unfortunately, it, he kind of ran her life. So if she didn't agree, she didn't really have a choice, you know? Yeah, it's just really heartbreaking. And then, like, the dude who's supposed to, like, save your life turns out to be this complete and utter asshole who not only refuses to accept that maybe he might be the father of the baby, because timeline-wise, it matched up. So not only is he, like, not taking responsibility, he's then actively calling the police on you and your father for something that is not your fault. And then he's spreading all of these rumors throughout the town, making your life a living hell. And then after you die, after he kills you, he's still refusing to take any accountability for it and is instead doubling down on the fact that he didn't do anything and is now going off to the people who claims that he might have had something to do with it. And like, I imagine her looking on from whatever plane of existence she's on is she has to be so hard. I feel like that betrayal probably hurt worse than anything her father ever put her through because if you've ever been in a position where you have the opportunity to escape an abusive situation only for that help for that hope to be yanked away and then you're being mocked for that hope by the person who said they were going to help you that is the most heartbreaking thing anybody could have witnessed and like it's happened to me and I felt like it was almost as bad if not worse than the abuse it hurt so bad because I expected the abuse most people expect the abuse from the abusers but whenever somebody who's like oh no I got you I'm on your side turns around and hurts you you don't expect it and with that it cuts deeply and I wonder if that's what she was feeling sorry I got a little heated you're okay Hi everyone. Oh goodness. I know that it's currently in the middle of an episode for you guys, but uh we recorded that last section last week. Um because so much has happened. We had to stop the recording really quickly because there was a situation and then um the next day, I think, uh, the pipes burst in our house. So we had to get that taken care of. <laughs> so we just just got home and rested today. And we're back, baby, for mythosis section. Yeah. Also, if I'm not super talkative this go-around, I am still getting over a really fucking great migraine. And I'm also eating, so. And if I sound extra um, saliva-y, it's because I'm having an allergic reaction uh, to something that I willingly ate yesterday that has one of my main allergens in it because I really liked it and I really wanted it. And Psychos wasn't there to stop me, 
when I bought it. So it's really Psychos's fault, honestly. But I'm I'm living no, no, with no, no, no. the consequences of their actions. So no, 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 no. Just because I wasn't there to stop you doesn't mean you shouldn't have the wherewithal to be like, hmm, shouldn't eat this, should I? I like to live dangerously, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Basically. All right, so we are continuing Loki from last mm, episode. I forgot the word. I almost said month. Okay, so we are going to be talking about Loki and his persistent kerfuffle with Christianity and also his, uh, like, witchier side of things. This section isn't too terribly long, um, so this episode might be a little bit shorter than normal. However, I did include a lot of sections for us to kind of talk and banter here, so... Maybe a little bit more bantery than usual, but it's fine. We finally stocked up on on energy drinks, so we're good to go. We were talking about Loki and how his kind of existence in mythology and Norse mythology leads to a lot of the great items that the gods have obtained. Um, you know, the ship that always has perfect winds, the golden boar that's faster than any horse, Mjolnir, which is Thor's hammer, um, bells. Is that your way of saying you want to go out? Okay. I gotta go let bells out. Hang on, everyone. Sorry about that. So this time we are going to be diving into the issues that Loki has had with humans. Yay. So the big difference that a lot of people struggle with, and, and this is more from the idea of people who are coming from Christianity and moving into like Norse paganism, or I think it was uh, Asotreyu is the word for it when, like, that's the religion. I'm not 100% around. I'm just going to call it Norse paganism, and you'll know what I mean. The big thing about how different the gods are is that the gods in Norse mythology are very flawed, and they suffer and constantly have to face their own mortality. They are not similar at all to the Christian idea of a god in the sense that they're typically born. Um, they have really intense family relations. Um, they, you know, like they have people that are like their brothers and sisters and cousins and whatnot. They intermingle a lot. They are very set in like a personality kind of archetype almost. Um, but they do have the ability to die. They eat, uh, these apples that give them life basically. So the gods are constantly, you know, quarreling with each other, but they're also fully aware of the fact that Ragnarok is going to happen. And, you know, they still make the decisions knowing that Ragnarok is going to happen. And so that's kind of, you know, whatever. But they're not in the same as the Christian God who is all-knowing, all-everything, all-everything, all-at-once kind of stuff. The stories in Norse mythology are not intended to be considered blueprints for how you should live your life in a God-honoring way, the same as they are for Christians. So. If you read a story about someone beheading someone because they did this, that's not an excuse for you to go behead people because they did this. Just by the way. These stories are intended to be just stories in the same way that people would pass down stories from their parents and their parents and tell stories of people who did this and that were on the battlefield. It's not like these are these gods that we're trying to model ourselves after. They're more like these are the stories that happened. This is what has led us to this point, kind of. So a lot of people have issues with that because when they come over from Christianity, um, 
and also when people just write about Norse mythology, they tend to really, really put Loki into a box of being the equivalent of the devil or Lucifer, which we've already touched on in the last episode. But when you examine Loki in the context of the mythology that he actually appears in, he has no real evil person behaviors. He is very complex and he has a very different moral path than a lot of people would like think of. Um, But you shouldn't examine him with your own bias of how you think morality should work. Um, These characters are written and read modern in modern times with the bias of the people that came before them. So the people that were writing it. So when you're reading the mythology, especially if it's been translated, this is just a general rule of thumb. If you're reading mythology that's been translated from the source to English or from a source to a source to English, any time that you're reading a source, you're going to have to understand that it's going to be written through the context of the people who wrote it. So, you know, to to a lot of people and even to me, some of the books that I have makes heavy references to Christian mythology, which I don't really want Christian mythology in my fucking Norse mythology anyway, because Christianity did not exist before norse mythology occurred so why is it being written through that context it's because the person who transcribed it was christian and inevitably weaved their own bias into how things are and it's you we kind of mentioned this last time we had tried to record this where it is impossible really for people to um write something and not have their moral bias kind of shoved into it and i really wish there was a way where people could just take their bias out of it unfortunately that's just not a thing that we can do but i really just wish christians would stop doing that shit in the begin with yeah because i know that um a lot of english written today is like how english is written today is based off a very christian viewpoint and it's hard to sort of well even just that yeah, like even just like even if you're not Christian, like let's talk about wh- like what what do you say if something startles you? Like Jesus Christ or oh my god, like it's Yeah, very... it's literally written into the way that we react and examine the world. So, it's gonna it's gonna impact the way that we read and understand things from other cultures. Because the whole point of like human existence is you want to try and put it into a frame that you can understand. But if you've never encountered a culture like that before, you're going to completely misunderstand what's going on because you just want to try to equate it to something that you understand to make it easier to digest, which isn't a bad thing. It's just, it's, just, it's just the way it is, man. It's not a bad thing, but it's also not necessarily a good thing either because in doing so, you're looking at a situation where you might have your own personal biases about what's going on, but then the situation itself could be completely different to how you're interpreting it. So ignorance isn't a bad thing until it is if that makes sense Mm -hmm. that definitely makes sense so recountings of different translations and recountings of the original mythology has caused a metric ass ton of issues for a lot of modern people um first of all there was a new wave of uh people coming into um interest with norse mythology and whatnot thanks to jaken grimm I don't know if it's the Grimm brothers or not. I think it is. Give he, me like two seconds and I Google. believe in you. I believe in you. What? How do you spell his first name? Jacon, like bacon, but with a J. Or Jacob, but with a B or an N instead of a B. But I prefer bacon with a J. It just says Jacob. <laughs> like Jacon is not. Oh, is it Jacob? Did I write Jacob instead of Jacon? Or is it actually J? <laughs> is it Jacob? It's... 
Jacob. <laughs> oh, typo on my part. Yeah, no, it's I prefer Jacob. J- I prefer bacon with a J. <laughs> it's fully Jacob, and it's a brother's group, yeah. Okay, it is. All right, maybe that's why I was confused. I mistypoed myself. All right, well, d- bacon with a J over here. I'm not going to put any <laughs> respect on this man's name. So, Jake and Jake, I'm going to call him Jake. And, so, Jake and Grimm, uh, he translated some of these stories um, in his life. The problem is, is that he was uh, very racist, very surprising, I know. So, when he translated some of these stories into whatever and kind of made them popular again, because, you know, Brothers Grimm, he kind of. Whether intentionally or not, weaved a lot of his very racist points of view into the stories. And you can see that a lot with um, traditional fairy tales, I'm pretty sure. You you can kind of see those racist kind of ideals put in there. But he put it into the Norse mythology. Now, the problem was, is that um, be- when these became popular, they unfortunately inspired the wrong type of people, uh, like uh, Hitler. So... <laughs> So yeah, Hitler was a huge fan of the Brothers Grimm's takes on Norse mythology, and this is actually why, um, or it is thought to be why a lot of the really popular um, Norse icons are are used by white supremacists, is because of this inspiration that took place. So that's always fun. I'm sorry. I completely forgot about that from the last time we recorded. Also, I couldn't fucking respond because I was trying to get painkillers because my migraine is trying to come back but like i'm sorry you might need more of those painkillers it doesn't get any better from here oh dear god (laughs) (laughs) all righty anyway so later on uh again with like people from like typically christian uh backgrounds coming into north mythology has really 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 impacted loki in particular People with a lot of emotional baggage from Christianity have um, actually caused there to be a no-Loki ban uh, in public rituals for the pagan community that um, specifically works underneath the trough, which um, I don't know if you've heard of the trough before. Um, no, what? what is the trough? It sounds... It, I don't know. This might sound... It sounds like Thoth, almost. It does sound like Thoth, and I know that you, you your mind would go to that because that's something that uh, we've talked about before. But um, So, the Troth, I'll, I actually have their, their thing pulled up here, so um, I will uh, introduce you to them. So, the Troth is basically like the governing organization for people so um they don't really have like a set like this is what we are on their page because if you go to their about section and you go to their organization it it's a lot of weirdness so i'll I'll read this to you so it says the trust is an international heathen organization based in the United States and is a nonprofit corporation registered in the state of Texas. Additionally, the trust is organized by the state of New York as a 501 charity. The trust is open to all who seek to know and worship the gods, honor the ancestors, and live by values of the Germanic heathen traditions regardless of tradition, eth- 
uh, ethnicity, race, sexual orientation, ability, gender, or family structure. The trust stands against any use of Germanic religion or religious symbols to advance causes of racism, sexism, transphobia, homophobia. I forgot how to read the word ableism for a second. I thought it said albinoism. Ableism or white supremacy. This is their mission statement. Yes. Albinoism. <laughs> That's a weird the worst, <laughs> right. the worst thing to fight. Extra white. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the Troth mission is to educate, train, provide resources for, and otherwise promote the inclusive practice of linguistically Germanic polytheistic religions. They have on here um, an episode that they were featured in on a podcast, um, the Heathen History Podcast, where I think uh, like higher up people were put in to talk about the history of it. And they have a huge long history of the uh like community so it began in uh 1987 but they include a few different sections to talk about their significant events in history and they actually do include in here the loki ban the end of the loki ban so yeah it's really weird i didn't look into a lot of the other stuff because i really just was looking into loki but it's uh I definitely have my own personal opinions about this. I don't want to um, discourage anyone who wants to seek out this kind of thing. But to me personally, something about this gives me the ick. Um, and I, and again, I'm not trying to shit on anyone. I'm not trying to like be an asshole about this. But um, so the CEO is Lauren Crow, um, and her her explanation she so she's in term right now from june 25th 2022 to june 30th of 2025 so her explanation says as a child many in my v uh, evangelical fundamentalist family thought i would end up in religious leadership but i highly doubt this is what they meant as people with perpetual helium hand syndrome i don't know what that means I just kept saying yes to volunteering until I became president of the troth, but and I wouldn't change a thing. Volunteering is a core to my conviction as a heathen because it helps build and maintain strong communities. I am proud to belong to Black Bear Kindred of Central Arkansas, which shares my progressive, solid, community-focused foundations. I am proud to be one of a long line of both queer and female leaders of this organization. We are the strongest when we are open to diverse, inclusive opinions and are available to change because of the discussions we share about them. Under my leadership, the trough will continue to serve and educate the heathen community and the greater world about the beauty and wonder of our inclusive religious practices. Now, again, I'm not going to try and shit on someone about this. Personally, to me, it just feels a little weird that someone who grew up in an evangelical family is now the head of the Norse uh, Paganism Foundation. I didn't look into anyone else, but we've got the Board of Education and Publishing, Director of Service. And look, I just I just want to point this out here. This spread, I don't know everyone's, I mean, obviously don't know everyone's, you know, whatever, but um, just, just looking, I'm not, I'm not seeing a lot of, of, non-white passing people on this board um 
so there's that but you know this there can be white passing you know people on here um but that's the board of directors let's go over to officers it's not much better (laughs) so I'm just saying it's a little weird to me it just kind of gives me the ick you know yeah okay okay so I I wasn't sure I so I wanted to look this up because I was very intrigued so I looked up the black bear kindred uh thing and I was like okay I don't know what this is let me look it up so the black bear kindred it says located in the heart of Arkansas I always want to say Arkansas is Arkansas Arkansas black bear kindred is progressive kindred that focuses on the worth of the individual and not their age, gender, sexuality, or ethnic identity. We practice inclusive heathenry. Our practice is a hybrid of Ozark lore and Norse mythology. Ozark lore and magical practices are the descendant of Anglo-Saxon culture, a cousin to North mythology. Our kindred is currently made up of five families. We host monthly gatherings at the central Arkansas area. So come and meet us. Uh, look, I, mm, I just, something about, okay. Statement of faith. This feels weird. Our kindred believes that the worth of those who follow our path is based on their deeds and not their age, ethnicity, gender expression, or family status. Actively honors the gods and goddesses of pre-Christian Northern European who are commonly known as the Aesir and Veneer. I'm probably saying that wrong. Builds ties to our local wits, honors and remembers our ancestors and their contributions to our family luck, cultivates frith and fellowship among our kin, shapes our own traditions. This tradition is based on a foundation of heathenry, but also influenced by our local cultural resources. Look, okay, um, I might be way out of line here, and that's totally fine, um, but what do you mean? (laughs) But, uh, okay, look, (laughs) I'm about to make a lot of enemies in this community, but personally, I feel like creating a overarching nonprofit community for any religion is a little too Christian for me. Like, respectfully, I just don't think this was a thing back then. So why is it a thing now? So we have the associate president, um, and he's a professor specializing in medieval religion. My dissertation examined beliefs about magic and spirits in 13th century France. I hate France. Part of that work, sorry anyone who's French, (laughs) part of that work involves comparison with the surviving Old Norse material, which renewed my interest in North mythology, Germanic alliterative verse, and medieval Icelandic sagas. Like, what? When I graduated, I decided to follow up with a trip to Iceland to see if I wanted to work more with it. Instead, I had a spiritual encounter with Odin, leading me to heathenry and the troth. Now I'm a provost? P-R-O-V-O-S-T, of the lore program, putting my academic training to use here. Look, and I'm saying this as nicely as I can, this feels a little racist. And I, <laughs> I don't mean racist and, like, like aggressively racist. This feels like, and this is the, I'm, this is the first time I'm looking into this. I only ever looked into it over the Loki band. But this feels like a little... I don't know how to explain this. I just I hope someone understands what I mean by this. This gives me the ick. I'm sorry. They have policies, bylaws, and policies. This is so aggressively structured that I'm uncomfortable with it. Why? 
this feels you're not gonna like this this feels like christianity this feels it like does it does doesn't it this feels like an evangelical church it feels like that level of structure where you have to do x y and z just to remain in the church let alone like and then like all this shit on top of it like you have to put in like volunteer hours if you do x y and z you're kicked out and like they'll send like out notes from to like the other churches in the area like don't get this like don't accept this one into your congregation this one's bad it feels super christian like it is a very christian way of looking at something like this when i thought that i like this could just be me but i always interpreted heathenry and such as like yes a community-based thing but also a highly personal based thing Mm -hmm. and this does not allow for the personal i want to point something out here so on their on their website so if anyone wants to try and follow along with this i'm currently on the bylaws and policies of the troth so I'm just going to read this to you guys. This is where you will find our corporate bylaws and policies. The bylaws below are the sixth iteration. Um, blah, 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 blah. Random shit. Whatever. Okay. The Troth Position Statement. The Troth is a polytheistic religious organization. Its fundamental purpose is to advance the knowledge and honoring of the pre-Christian deities of Germanic-speaking peoples, most commonly known as, but not limited to, the Aesir and the Veneer in Norse mythology and their equivalents in other historical Germanic cultures. Deities from whom we do not have comparable historical record, but which are known through historical and contemporary resources, including but are not limited to um, Ostra, and a bunch of other ones that I can't pronounce. Sorry. Being known from the standard text of mythology and folklore to be allies of the Aesir or Veneer or other deities with whom we choose to interact with and worship. For example, Aegir, Ron, Thori, Hel, Earth, Sol, Mani, and the Norse. The, the Norns. Whatever. Spirits of specific places such as lands, waters, and homes. And then they list like brownies, dwarves, whatever. Um... Worthy and honorable human heroes and ancestors, ranging from the legendary through the historical past up to the present day. This includes the ancestors of all of our members of all ethnicities and of uh, places of origin. Do you notice something missing out of that list? Because I did. I don't like this. Okay, so I'm going to get into the what the ban was. I'm going to read the part that they have about the ban, and then we're going to go to... Um, We're going to get into why the ban happened uh, because I have fucking issues with this. This is from their website. This is what I'm reading. Okay, I'm going to read this verbatim for everyone so you don't have to look it up yourself. The trough had to rebuild once again and the board looked within to find answers. This is under the thing that says inclusive means inclusive end of the Loki ban. There was fallout as whatever folkish contingent remnant remain whatever, in the troth broke away from the organization as well as those on the fence who demanded a return to neutrality that was no longer possible. Under some dude's leadership, the board of directors worked at a fast pace to rebuild the troth. The troth looked inward at our own policies that excluded the very same people from whom the AFA had included explicitly when such policy was so-called the Loki ban. In 2008, hailing or worshipping of Loki, among others, um, mostly his children uh, and some others, was prohibited at Troth events. This policy was adopted in 2008. As a Germanic heathen organization, it is not part of the Troth's mission to pr- 
promote or advance the worship of beings of Germanic mythology that were understood to be hostile toward the Aesir and Veneer, which is a bold fucking statement knowing what we know about what happened to Loki, to humanity and or to the cosmological order. For example, this, that, all the, basically all of his kids and another person whose name I've never heard of before. Discussion of such deities or other beings, discussion of such deities or other deities or other beings which relevant when relevant to issues surrounding heathen Germanic mythology is a normal and necessary occurrence in the Troth forums, meetings, and publications. However, it is not the purpose of the Troth organization, publications, offices, or cert- uh, certifications to advocate, promote, or carry out the honoring or worship of these entities. Troth members are expected to recognize and respect such boundaries in the context of Troth affairs. At the time, this was considered a tidy way of threading the needle, which is a bold fucking statement to make. People were free to worship whatever god they liked at home, but the Troth events, they needed to abide by this restriction. Additionally, Loki was not explicitly named in the policy. The language of beings of Germanic mythology that were understood to be hostile to the Aesir and Veneer was generally interpreted to include Loki. Thus, while Loki was not explicitly named, this policy became known as the Loki ban. Which is bold, because Loki and Odin are blood brothers. I can't see your face because it's dark. Are you just as pissed as I am right now? Because I'm livid. I f- oh my god. I'm so angry about this. It's so fucking ridiculous. And I get it. The reason why is even more ridiculous. This is why, respectfully, actually no, disrespectfully, this is why white people shouldn't have things. Especially white queer Christian people or people who used to be Christian. Because, respectfully, we fuck it up for everybody. Indeed. Indeed. So we'll continue. We 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 continue on. So so the Frith Forge 2017 was an inflection point for the end of the Loki ban. Uh, really quickly before I get into this, what year do you think the Loki ban ended? Honestly, probably somewhere like 2022, 2023. A little too far. A little off. Um, the ban didn't even start to get lifted until the beginning of 2019. So he was banned for over 10 years from worship. So, and it's really interesting why. We'll get into we'll get into that. So the Troth was forming alliances with international groups in Europe, but there was some concern that the American approach to Asutreyu was in conflict with the more open-minded Europeans, especially when it came to the practice of hailing Loki. Don't, because I know what you're going to say. Just bear with me. At the time, Loki could not be honored at Troth sponsored events, which um, the Forge was, but honoring Loki at Sumbel was a common practice for some of European some European groups. This conflict was eventually resolved through some clever applications of roof beam through, but I don't know what that means, but it left a lot of people wondering why this had to be so complicated in the first place. So we didn't even start looking. I say we like I'm part of this fucking bullshit organization. Hello. Oh, it's your cat. They didn't even start looking into unbanning Loki until the Europeans whose religion this is more closely tied to came over and were like, what the fuck are you doing? Why did you ban Loki? Why like, why is this a thing? Like, of course, the Americans are the ones who are like, oh, but it hurts our feelings. So let me get into why this ban happened really fast before, before you jump in, because I know you're going to be just as angry as I am. So again, people like to put Loki into a box of being evil, right? So the Christian idea of having a god meant that 
you had to have some kind of devil or evil satanic figure that counteracted him because in Christianity, there's a balance. And in Norse, you don't really find that balance much. Um, so when people would put Odin or the Allfather um, as God, the natural counterpart was Loki, which, again, makes no fucking sense. And it caused a lot of people to shut out Loki and his followers from meetings because they basically took it as someone walked into a church and yelled, Hail Satan, in the middle of a fucking sermon is basically how people reacted. The Lokians, the people that followed Loki, weren't even the ones that were causing problems. It was everyone else in the room being butthurt and little sensitive fucking snowflakes over it. And so in order to keep everyone safe, because the people who didn't follow Loki were actually getting like very outspoken and physically like physically having issues with people they ban loki to protect everyone instead of i don't know banning people from being assholes and fucking worship so but the problem was is that a lot of the people that actually helped build the organization were followers of loki and they were probably one of the more outspoken and involved people when it came to the community given how loki is as a person so when they lost the members who followed Loki, it really fucked up the community and caused a lot of really important people to leave. The ban was lifted eventually recently, but people are still upset about it, which is a very fair point to have, all things considered. But the only reason Loki was banned is because of fucking Christians who couldn't get their head out of their ass. And they're not even Christians anymore. So they're bringing over baggage from religion that they no longer align to and making it everyone else's problem. And as someone who is not Christian and has never really had a strong affinity for Christianity, despite the fact that I grew up in a Christian household, I have I couldn't tell you anything about the Bible. I don't really feel that it has much influence over me and how I see the world. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. It's the same thing of big your cat's pissing me off. It's the same thing as like big white men getting all intimidated by a gender fluid person and then being the one to sit here and cry and bitch about it until someone else has fixed it when no one was having a problem until you opened your big fat mouth in the first fucking place. Sorry, I got angry. Continue. <laughs> say what you need to say. I want you to take a second. <laughs> I, I'm so, I don't even know what to say to all, the, because you hit the nail on the head. Like, all throughout that like rant that you went on but i've seen that happen before and you know who i'm talking about oh <gasps> yes i do yes i do he has been demonized and i'm sorry i thought we weren't christian anymore why do we have to have a good guy and a bad guy why can't like because loki lovingly he's not even morally gray mm -mm. he's not like there's there's like I'm not trying to baby Loki. Let let me get that straight because there's nothing to baby. There's nothing to like wooify because he's strong. He can do whatever. But like at the same time, he's not a villain. There are no like the only thing he's ever like at least from what you've told me, the only thing he's ever been guilty of is accidentally starting shit that he has to get himself out of, and mm -hmm. that's generally how most people are. He just has a different personality compared to all of the other gods. And he wasn't originally one of those deities. But also putting that label on him as being a devil or a demon or something demonic in counterpart to Odin completely ignores the fact that in the mythology, it says they're blood brothers. So that's like God and Satan being besties. And then the entire world going... 
but he's evil. He's a terrible person. We have to ban him. Like, it's you can't have both. Either you're a, a Norse pagan who has read the mythology and understands it, or you don't like Loki and you want him banned. You can't have both. So you're either educated and open-minded and fucking quiet, or you're ignorant and stupid and you scream at the top of your lungs about something that you don't understand. You can't have both. And the fact that, and again, respectfully, I'm not part of this organization and what are they going to do? Um, respectfully, in my personal fucking opinion, the fact that these people are sitting on their fucking pedestals in 2008, sitting here and banning Loki from religious practices proves to me that either one, they don't have a full understanding of what the fucking practice was, but the fact that no one changed anything until 2019 because the European people stepped in and said, hey, this is a fucking problem, proves to me that Loki would still be banned if someone outside of the fucking Christian North mythology American bubble didn't burst it and come in and tell people to get over themselves. You know what I mean? It's a little fucking ridiculous. And this really is one of those points in time. And I don't like the troth. And we'll get into another thing that they did that really pisses me off in a second. Because they consistently have the worst stances on things until pressured by outside poor, like people. Which is why I will never join this organization. And me personally, and my personal opinion, my personal opinion, me as a person, this is personal to just me, my personal opinion... I do not think people should join this organization because they lack proper representation. They clearly lack critical thinking skills and they're not going to change unless something big comes out and points out the fact that they're fucking stupid. That's that's on me personally. And if they want to sit here and cry about it and say, well, you can't join our organization. Good. I didn't want to fucking enter the building anyway. You know what I mean? I think it's a little fucking ridiculous. I really do. And the fact that it's based in America already gives me a red flag. But the fact that it took them this long to get their hat out of their ass really pisses me off. Personally. I just think it's a little fucking stupid. Sorry. No, you're fully right. There is something that's violently gross about this. There is something that's violently gross about people who lack representation. Who obviously come from a Christian background. Coming in and dipping their toes in the Norse mythology or Norse paganism salad, as you said, like last episode, I think it was. Yeah, putting their fingers in other people's pies. Yeah. Their toes in the salad. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm struggling. <laughs> You've got such a bad migraine. That was so funny. I'm trying. I really am. But it you can just tell when people have that kind of background and then go into something like this you really can mm -hmm. especially with the people we know who did it who literally claim to not be fucking christians in the first place but then still want to infringe on everyone else's practices with christian ideals like i know i keep bringing them up but they were the first introduction i had to loki and you saw how badly it was that bad it took yeah. a good two years to really meld that um bias away it really was difficult and the thing is is the so the, the person that we know had this issue but i know many people who have this issue and they really perpetuate this idea and i get more into it in the witchcraft section so put a pen in it because i will come back to it but there is a very very toxic idea of how to work with loki that i've seen and it really just it's not it's not the vibe it's really not this is not the way yeah so keep that in mind whenever like people who are starting to 
look into Norse paganism and look into Loki and they see how people are like treating and talking about Loki and how that toxic thing can be perpetuated. You hit the nail right on the head. You hit the nail right on the head. Put a pin in it. I promise I will get okay. to it because you're you're bringing up a point that I'm about to bring up in a little bit. Okay. I'd be quiet now. Okay. So, okay. So really quickly, one more thing on the trough before we move on. And this is something that is, I'm going to have to be very careful about how I talk about this, but the trough recently made a statement. I don't think you knew this. The trough recently made a statement about something that is going on in the world right now where it is very important for people to um, speak out about how they feel about this right so they made a statement um, I'm actually scrolling to find it right now hang on they made a statement on November 13th 2023 about something November 21st they made an amendment to it or addendum to it, right? The first statement that they made, I hate their logo, by the way. Not that it matters. The first statement they made basically said, this situation has happened. There is footage showing innocent people being attacked and um, the victim attacking the abuser, if you kind of catch my, gr- my drift. We... They they sided with the abuser in this post and then tried to put a thing that was like, we, we reject the presentation of false choices and the notion that this conflict is necessary and desirable to achieve some other end. We must not turn away from the horrors of this war. No, of course they did. Of fucking course they did. So they they do they do mention that there are people the, the victims. There are people who are innocent victims who um need resources. However, I'm not a hundred percent certain that this is um a modern like a, a like a that that it wasn't gone back and changed because the beginning part of this basically so I'm, so I'm gonna read this verbatim. I'm, I'm gonna change some things. So, um. It has been a week since victim uh, militias stormed the border and unleashed carnage through the streets, fields, and homes of the neighboring abusers' settlements. The footage taken by both the abuser and victim soldiers showed the gruesome extent of these attacks. The bodies of innocent civilians, from infants to elders, illustrated the slaughter. Thousands were left dead. Over 200 people were kidnapped. This ground assault was accompanied by the bombardment on abuser towns by over 5,000 rockets fired by victims from victims' home. In retaliation, the abuser government ordered its military to the um, to to a settlement uh, that's just outside of the border and delivered deadly strikes on victims' targets within the uh target's home uh whereby thousands of uh victim civilians were dead and millions were left in the impossible situation of fleeing a war that approaches on them on all sides so the next line in bold says says anti-semitic and islamophobic terror attacks have both striked across the globe um which you know and here's the thing it's they did not take a good stance on this. And the way that they explained it is just really shitty. So they made an amendment to it. 
that was a position statement. They released another position statement right afterwards, and it was an addendum. This is what it says. The troth calls for the sustained humanitarian ceasefire in the uh, in the victim and the return of hostages by the victim terror group, the H1. We call for an end to words and deeds that justify or encourage genocide or expulsion of victims or of abusers. We call for the recognition of human rights and dignity of the victim's people, a good faith return to peace negotiations, and a solution that is just, equitable, and acceptable to both parties, and that guarantees the sovereignty, liberty, and security of each. I'm going to actually kill someone. We invoke these gods. List of them. Oh, oh, I just got really personally angry. Bring peace and healing to this land and to these people and restore this earth to the prosperity for all. And to tear. Make peace that is brokered by one based in justice and that it will be honored by all. I'm so mad about this now. I am a follower of Tyr for anyone who wants to know. He's he Tyr is one of my my patron deities. My he is my patron deity. Um so this is a load of bullshit. Now I, again, I don't follow I don't keep up with this group and a lot of people on TikTok were very pissed about this when this happened because they made the wrong position and then it sounds like they're like trying to make it up. 0 out of 10. So I really wouldn't trust a damn thing that comes out of these people's mouths. So practice on your own. Um, fuck, fuck these people, in my personal opinion. I don't like them. Anyway. I, you know what? No, I don't have anything to say. I'm not going to dignify that with the response. It's such bullshit. It, it, you know what that sounds like to me? Hmm. May God move through this situation. That sounds exactly like we, we made a bad stance on this. We are calling on God to help do this because I didn't see and I could have just not seen it. I didn't see um, them invoking gods anywhere else. Let me look. Oh, so they thought some prayer did. Yes, yes. Oh my God. Yes, that's what I was trying, was trying, to, trying to say. Yes, they thought some prayers did it. January 2nd, 2019, they rescinded the Loki ban, by the way. And the guy who put in the ban was the one who undid the ban. It's also really hard to find their statements. Like, it's, it's really hard to find their statements. Hang on. They did not invoke any gods. Edit the 16th of November. The, the troth has not taken a position on Z-I-O-N-I-S-M. It is not the question being debated here, rather addressing a devastating and growing humanitarian crisis. As such, we have taken down the link to a donation page due to the donations going through an organization that deeply in, is explicitly pro whatever that word I just said was positions that run contrary to the stance this was our mistake we ought to have done constant vetting to be certain that the organization can handle the causes so they um they are now putting in um relief efforts to both sides of this war um and they also acknowledge that since we originally wrote the statement mid late october conditions have changed and we will update and amend our statement according to reflect the concerns of our members the greater healing community and the present realities of this war so they did go back and edit this they did not invoke any gods and honestly the the thing that they posted the amendment the addendum sounds like a like a band-aid it's like oh we hurt your feelings thoughts and prayers 
here we're we're thoughts and like we we've called on god now this is our stance but now we realize that this is actually the stance we should have and it's so drastic of a stance that we want you to know that we're calling on tear for this and as someone who follows tear go fuck yourself personally my personal opinion sorry i'm really heated about this i we really needed to move past this i just wanted you to know that this is why i don't trust these people personally do you have any words before we move on past this if my migraine weren't here, I'd be just as much of a ball of rage as you are right now. That's all right. I got it for the both of us. All right, moving on. We got some We got some good goods here. Okay, so Loki and Modern Witchcraft, if you stayed from the last episode, this is where you want to listen up. So I, I referenced a couple of blogs for this. So um, on the Witches of the Craft, uh, which I think is a blog that I referenced, Loki is described as an outcast, slightly manic, sneaky, and someone who doesn't respect boundaries. They warn that if you invite Loki into your home, you won't be able to get rid of him until he wants to go, which I can understand, but Loki respects boundaries, so I don't know what that was about. Offerings to Loki consist of alcohol, wine, beer, mead, or cheap whiskey, sweet food, spicy foods, uh, stick incense, candles, coins. Taravara recommends that anything that is a mix of sacred and profane is good of an offering. Dedicated acts of Loki can be practical jokes or anything to make the world more chaotic without going against the law or being harmful. Offerings should be taken seriously, though. Signs that Loki is trying to reach out to you is the appearance of the number 13, a large amount of spiders, fire, or dreams of Loki speaking to you, which I've actually had a dream about Loki talking to me before, but it was years ago and it was the sexy version from the Marvel, so it's fine. <laughs> and the appearance of animals related to uh, Loki. Crystals associated with Loki include hematite, Obsidian, jet, red, red agate, fire agate, carnelian, orange cellite. Oh, calcite. Oh, orange calcite, yellow calcite. Any crystal with a carving of a rune associated with Loki works as well. And I have listed them in my notes and I will post my notes. Herbs include mistletoe, birch, and alder, said to be used to call on him. Mullein, cinnamon, peppers, and other hot spices. And then I had never encountered the fact that people give, like, people, like, Loki has a last name. I was very confused by this. So I just wrote, I think this blog just gave Loki a last name and then called him by his whole last name. Now, also, this person wrote Laufey Jarson. I just put Laufey son because I'm pretty sure that's what his name was. Um, so Loki is a very popular uh, deity amongst the LGBTQ plus community, especially in Iceland because he is gender fluid. Loki also regained popularity because of the LGBTQ plus community. This was before the Loki ban was lifted. And many trans and non-binary people use Loki as a test to see if Norse groups would be welcoming to them. Because if you're willing to be rude and mean to Loki and how people treat Loki is a reflection of how they would treat you because of who he is as a person. So, interesting. That's what I mentioned when you said that you can tell how people are based off how they treat Loki. That is actually a common thing that people in the LGBTQ plus community do is depending on how you treat Loki is how you will treat them. So people will avoid groups if they don't treat Loki well because it's a sign that what they say and what they do are two very different things. Which makes sense for the group of people that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, I skim over a lot. Of, I literally ranted in my notes. If you want to see some funny stuff, I do. I do leave little notes in my notes for you guys. So apparently there is a slur, a word. It's a slur. Um, it's a Norse noun. I don't know how to pronounce it. It looks like ergi, but it's a slur that basically refers to being a bottom, but like a male bottom, like someone who catches. Being that 
wasn't like being called a sub. It was basically like a bad way of being called a pedophile. I promise this makes sense eventually. So (laughs) being called this is basically being like, you're a bottom gay person who is also like a pedophile and a rapist um it's also kind of like calling someone like a pussy but in like a derogatory way uh, way as if they were like like too feminine um this is a word that was actually used against lgbtq plus heathens but it we're not really sure if it popped up pre-Christianity or post-Christianity, but LGBTQ plus heathens have actually reclaimed the term as themselves, like for themselves. And then people who follow Loki consider themselves Lokians, L-O-K-E-A-N. This term seems to have popped up in North America around the 1990s, and it was probably used to distinguish people who were Lokians from other people who were just regular heathens because regular heathens apparently just can't fucking handle anyone with different opinions being in the same room as them. Um, I'm not sure if the Lokian term came before or after a divide in people, but whatever. But um, all not all Lokians are heathens, though. People sometimes just follow Loki but aren't actually majoritively a Norse pagan or a heathen. So keep an eye out for that. And... Loki in practice, working with Loki looks very different depending on who you are. So my recommendation is don't feel like there's one right way to worship Loki. Having an altar for a deity also looks very different depending on the person. Some people have a physical altar, a very big one or a very small one. I personally have a very small one for Loki. And others can have more abstract one. And the altar of Skald's Keep finds that Loki, um, they tend to worship Loki more in their art and more creative areas. So that kind of is their entire altar space for it. Devotional acts can also consist of self-care, music, art, or writing. So there is this stigma, and this isn't in my notes, but there is this stigma that goes around that I saw a lot when I was first looking into Loki, where the idea that if you welcome Loki into your home, he's going to cause chaos. He's going to have your car break down. He's going to destroy your stuff. And I always thought it was very weird that why would you work with a deity that sounds like he would actually like ruin your life because it's fun. And I think that comes from the idea that because he's a trickster, people want to blame bad stuff on him. Um, kind of like how you have like a work ghost and you just like blame all the weird stuff that happens on the work ghost. You know what I mean? Yeah. We used to have a work ghost um, at a popular fast food restaurant where I used to work and I would be in the back and it's just like stuff in the back wasn't like put up properly, but and it caused like people to get hit in the head with certain things, but we blamed it on the work ghost and we named him Jerry. Mood. So. You have Jerry the work ghost. Um, I don't have a name for my work ghost. I, we just have a work ghost, um, obviously. But basically, it was like you had a god in your life that you would worship, but that god would actively ruin your life. And I think that also kind of goes back into the Loki being like the Christian version of the devil is people just can't get that idea of how he is out of their head. So they just blame him for everything. So when you're working with Loki... Um, or if you are the kind of person who, you know, works with the deity specifically, Loki's not going to break your shit. He's not going to cause your house to catch on fire. He's not going to do terrible things to you. If you honor a deity and you worship a deity, it would make sense for them to be mean to you. So if you see someone perpetuating that stigma online or demonizing Loki, that person is not LGBTQ plus friendly. They are not open-minded and they are actively pushing very, very, very toxic Christian ideals 
into the heathen religion in my personal opinion and I would avoid that at all costs so yeah um my sources for this I have working with Loki offerings herbs crystals and more from Taravara um Loki and practices uh which is from Skull to Keep and then I highly recommend the book Loki and Sigin by Leah Svensson um, it's an absolutely amazing book. Uh, I I actually listened to the audiobook of it, and then Psychos was nice enough to actually buy it for me for Christmas because I loved it so much. And whenever I really like an audiobook, I usually buy it. Um, and then the Gospel of Loki is actually the story of Loki and the story of Ragnarok, but told from Loki's perspective in kind of a fiction esque way. Um, so I highly recommend looking into that one as well. But that concludes my notes on Loki. There's a lot to unpack here. There's so much to unpack. No, what I find funny, though, and I know I keep going back to this group because, like, I don't really know other groups of people beyond this group. That to be to be fair, and I want to put this out there because we really are harking these people a lot. These people were not good people, like, in general. And we have not associated with these people in, like, well over 10 years. Like, the, we these people have... They were, they were really bad people, but we have not associated with them in, in a decade. So that that's that's the explanation so just but yeah anyway continue yeah so i didn't realize it had been 10 years already i thought it was closer to like seven or eight 10 years baby Uh, 10 years baby good good anyway um no i know we keep like going back to this but these people were like sort of my only source when it came to heathenry and stuff like beforehand and just the way they would talk about loki Sorry to cut you off. It's ironic that you say that because no one else in the room was a fucking heathen except for me. Anyway, sorry. Sorry. But it's it's people who don't follow these gods having opinions on these gods. And, like, here's the thing. I've, I've, I've been following Loki and, like, dabbling with Loki on and off for years. But until this episode, I hadn't fully done intense research on Loki. And he's a very different person than what a lot of people will tout him to be. And I really, really highly encourage outside of this episode, go do your research on Loki. Go intensely look into research on Loki, but also look into who's telling you about Loki. Go research the people that are writing the books. Because I wish someone would make this master list, but there are a lot a lot of people out there who write these books who are horrible horrible racists if you need to you can go on tiktok and just look up norse author racist whatever and you can find people who have a list of all of the people who are absolutely horrible people who have written really really racist books and also be very very careful when you read norse mythology or read these books because even if the person hasn't been touted as being racist yet their books have really, really, really toxic ideals. Um, and some of them border on extreme white supremacy. And um, also, I don't know what episodes it is, but there's a podcast that I really like um, that's called And That's Why We Drink. Absolutely love them. Just shouting it out. Um, but M did a three-parter on QAnon. And it's a really, really niche thing to bring up right now, I think. But if you're going to look into North mythology, you have to understand that you are going to bump shoulders with white supremacist ideology. And if you look into that episode and listen to those three episodes on QAnon, it's really going to give you a good idea of what signs to look for when you're looking into North mythology. Because white supremacy, QAnon go way too close hand in hand. And you'll see bits of it in North writing 
if someone is a racist or is a really, really, really psychotic person, like psychotic is in the sense of like ridiculous in the way that like conspiracy theory person, you'll catch bits and pieces of it when you're reading it. So just, just a, just a side note, continue. I would also like to piggyback off of that. I would also be careful with how certain people are talking about Loki. Like if you have somebody who's talking about Loki, like, oh my gosh, he's so negative or, oh, he'll break all your shit. And then with that, that's not necessarily true. You could say the same thing about almost any god who, or anything really, but Loki just happens to get the bad rap because he's considered by most Christian-turned pagans to be, quote-unquote, the bad god. And then you also have those people, and these people especially make me super uncomfortable, are the people who sexualize Loki. Who, like, sexualize the, like, trans-slash-gender-fluid slash like anything to do with loki because that's not so well those people will also go around and sexualize trans people without their consent because i've known people same group people i've known people who will learn that someone is gay or queer or gender fluid or something other than like the default you know kind of straight cis whatever and immediately over-sexualizes that person. And if they're treating Loki that way, and also people who um really, really directly down-talk Loki, like, to his face. Like, people who will, in ritual, like, degrade Loki or any god openly, that person is not taking it seriously. And if you're going to join a religion and take it seriously, that is so incredibly disrespectful. I just avoid that at all costs honestly and you're gonna find that it is very isolating there is a lot of bad shit that goes on in the community but unfortunately you know it's it's really really hard i think especially in the u.s to find people who aren't shitheads about it um interacting with european heathens might be better but you're still gonna find racists there it's everywhere but you know it's it's seeded into how americans look at stuff so yeah, every group I think is going to have, like, every religion, every whatever is going to be very isolating for, at one point or another until you find the people that works best with you. But if you are working with somebody, and, like, I know we're talking mostly about Loki because Loki's the topic of the episode, but if you find, like, a group of people who are talking about, say, Ares the same way, or um, Zeus, or any other like pantheon the same way it the same things will still apply norse mythology just happens to get most of the races just because of how intertwined it tends to be with white supremacy which isn't a good thing but there are people who also practice north mythology who are trying to make that separation so violently clear that it wasn't the two really don't have anything in common it just happened to be co-opted by a horrible group of people and like going back to what i mentioned earlier sexualization is not acceptance it is fetishization and if you think the only way to accept somebody is based off their how willing you are to sleep with them no full stop because one that's not how the gods work and that's not how people work but you can see how people act in one way or another with deities 
and how it actually oh, I misphrased this hold on my brain is struggling right now I'm trying people hide who they really are to other people but it comes out when you see how they talk about deities and how they talk about gods how they interact with them and if you see somebody who you think is amazing and perfect and you think they're really cool and then you hear them talk to any deity like they're garbage and put them down especially loki that's a red flag putting that out there don't let yourself be fooled by people who you think are fantastic and then you get into like this ritual-esque type thing with them and then see how they treat people or how they treat the gods specifically mm -hmm. i'm trying to phrase this right my brain is not working i'm so sorry my migraines no you're good you're doing great honestly given given everything and it sucks because there are so many people who do not have the frame of reference that we do that we are ready like we didn't have this frame of reference until a couple of years ago and even then we were like even now we're still trying to unlearn everything that we learned from that group and i think that's why mythos was going so hard on do your research do your research do your research because if you don't do the research and you let yourself be taken in by groups like this and the troth i think it's called troth then it's it'll practically ruin any relationship with any deity if you choose to do deity work like, it will ruin every single relationship with a deity that you try to have. And it won't be, in my opinion, it won't be what it's supposed to be. Instead, it'll be a shadow of this messy, ugly thing. And while a deity might be there to help you work through certain things, to help you get through certain things, those things will not come to pass if you are... You won't be able to get through those things with this deity's help if you are constantly treating them like you would the Christian god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it's it's a tough word out there, but just be careful. And if something feels wrong, it probably is. So just just a heads up there. Trust your gut. Trust your instincts. Most of the time, those things are there for a reason. Yeah, definitely would have saved me a lot of weird situations that I was in. Um, but yeah, that is pretty much all that I have. Thank God. Um, because I'm so tired of just thinking about how angry I am about this. So, any final words to close out the episode, Psychos? I know that it's very low energy right now as compared to the first half of the episode, but unfortunately we were um, gone for a week because our house exploded. <laughs> Didn't explode, but it just flooded a little bit. And Psychos, my dear Psychos, has a migraine, so we're actually recording in the pitch black. I cannot see Psychos right now. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> um... Sorry, my brain is, like, not letting me think. Um, You're good. I'll do the closing since I'm so good at it. Well, <laughs> I know we didn't talk about... We haven't talked about my case in, like, a week, but, like, not that m long in, in podcast time, but... I'm still mad about it, though. I'm still mad about your episode, honestly. Like, I, like you did a great job, but I think it's a little fucking ridiculous. The, the way that that case was handled is just really... <sighs> I'm still mad about it, though. And it's weird that they kept so much information from then, but they didn't figure out who it was. Like, how did how did you somehow be extra thorough and also not fucking thorough enough? You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, please suck. But if you're in a situation where your family is trying to isolate you and is trying to keep you separate, 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 sorry, from... If anyone, if you're in a situation where... 
anyone is trying to isolate you or separate you from anyone. Continue. Outside of, like, what they deem to be appropriate, like, people to have, that's a red flag. And honestly, had, this was, of course, back in, like, the 1920s and, like, the early 1900s where fathers had a lot more power over the family than they do now. But in my opinion, not my opinion, you, if you're in a similar situation, you will need to try to build those outside relationships. You need to try to find an outside support system because that outside support system can save your life. Because had they, my professional opinion, I'm not a professional, but personal opinion, um, had they not been murdered, I am wholly convinced that Andreas would have slaughtered Victoria just to keep her from leaving him. Oh, for sure. For sure. If you are in any relationship where you are you are not allowed to contact your family or can only contact your family on very rare occasions, if your partner is constantly shit-talking your family to you without like any real care about how you might feel about it, or if you aren't allowed to have any friends outside of the ones that your partner picks from you for you, you that's are in abuse. an abusive relationship. Yeah, that's an that is abuse. You're like you're like being isolated, and abuse can look like many different things. But if you are in that kind of situation, there are resources out there. There are whole organizations dedicated to helping anybody get out of situations like that. I'll definitely put in like the big ones that are family related down in the um, description of the episode. But I also put throw in some other ones that are just for like abusive relationships down in there too. But just resources to have. We can also put them on our Instagram and we can update those pretty consistently. So under the, if you go onto our Instagram under the photo um, post for uh, this episode, we'll we'll put some resources um, in the description for you guys. So it'll be a little bit easier to, to find. Um, the I just worry about doing that because Instagram doesn't do links. Yeah, we can put it in the comments, and people can copy the comment. Mm. We'll f- we'll figure out a way. We can also put it in our story. We'll fi- we'll figure out a way to get those, but we can post other yeah. things as well. But I know rain like rain is the big one. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at that. I meant I'm laughing at the dog. And I know they have like a phone number and a website that can be accessed. I hope you enjoyed or didn't enjoy today's episode, considering how enraging it was. Hopefully everyone's staying warm, considering the fact that the U.S. is freaking cold outside right now. If you need something to watch. To make you feel better, to make you feel happy, go to YouTube right now. Look up Nat's What I Reckon. N A T S What I Reckon. It is amazing. Anyway, I love him very much. That's my recommendation as far as YouTubers go. Everyone stay warm, drive safe, let your pipes drip, cover your hose. <laughs> Please cover your hose. <sighs> What's that thing you say at the end of our episodes? Keep learning, stay safe. Are you hoping I'm going to say it? Are you waiting for me to say it? Do you want me to say it? I'm hoping you don't. I don't know how to end an episode without saying it. I mean, it's fuck Oppenheimer. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Good night.